Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes. I'm Becky, and sitting, sitting next to me is my husband and co-host, Scott. Hello, everybody. And we're really excited for our, to introduce you to our special guest today. He's a friend of ours from the National Speakers Association. He's in our, our Mountain West chapter. His name is Bart Merrill, and he specializes in helping people to monetize what they like to do. His message is monetize your mindset. But before we dive into that, I want to tell you a little bit about him. There were more pigs than people in Bart's hometown. He grew up on a pig farm in a small town in the southwest corner of New Mexico. His dad was not just a farmer. He was an entrepreneur, a businessman. Bart started his first business at age 15 and has been going at it ever since. He has never held a real job. We're going to find out about that. Uh, in 1994, he helped take the first commercial bungee jump to Japan, and he continues to involve himself in creative international business opportunities. His passion is to help others succeed, as, especially those who yearn to break free of limiting thinking and limited income. So, Bart, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. So I want, I have a question because you said you, you grew up on a farm, a pig farm. We lived on a little farm and we had seven children that helped us. It felt like we were doing most of the work, but you know, we had these seven children that had their chores and responsibilities and we even had pigs, but not as many as you did. We, we had, had thousands maybe, of pigs. And we, had, we had like maybe five or six five, at a yeah, time, one show, for each child to take care of. So Tell us, what was it like growing up on a pig farm? What was a day in a life for Bart on a, on a farm? Well, I grew up in a small town in southern New Mexico, out in the middle of nowhere. If you wanted to go out to eat and eat something that was, other than Mexican food, that was good, it was two hours either direction. Is there anything else wow. other than Mexican food? New Mexico. <laughs> New Mexico. I just like that food. That's the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorites as well. Uh, I grew up the youngest of seven, and dad was a farmer, but like I said, he was a businessman as well. We had probably at any one time around 19,000 pigs on our farm. Wow. 19,000. That's, a, that's 19, a lot of pig. pigs. That's a lot of noise. Well, that's we a lot of feed. It's <laughs> a lot of feed. We, I mean, you think about taking a day off, and on a farm, you can't take a day uh -huh. off. You feed pigs every day. Yeah. Morning and night. Wow. So how many sows did you have that were delivering babies? And About like 2,000 sows. Jeez. That reminds me, did you know what you have when you have 50 male deer and 50 female pigs? I don't. 100,000 bucks. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, come on. You can laugh harder than that. That was funny. Stuff that was, that to was an old pig farmer, yeah. <laughs> okay, so in raising this many pigs, your job was to what? Did you feed? Did you water? Were they automatic waters? And there was how many kids in your family? 
Seven, youngest of seven us. kids, youngest of seven. So everybody's chores were already established when you got there and you didn't have to do anything or they had all kind of moved on and you took over everything? I, they had kind of moved on. There was 10 years, well, five years between me and my next si sibling, but she died when she was 10. And then another five years between me and my sibling after that. So there was 10 years different. So I was kind of an only child, the only one at home for most part. Wow. I started working at the pig farm at age eight mm -hmm. to where they actually paid me. I went and helped out as a kid before that, but it wasn't for pay. It was just because I thought it was cool. Then when I started to not think it was cool, they had to pay me. <laughs> and when you started getting paid, all of a sudden the responsibilities became real because this became a job. Correct. You weren't just helping. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> you, had, you had accountability of yeah. what your job was. And a lot of things that I learned from dad was just from watching dad and his passion for work, his passion for business, because he, he wasn't just a farmer. He owned parts of other businesses as well. He, we lived in New Mexico, and he was part owner in a dairy in Idaho, part owner of a mushroom farm in Fillmore, Utah. He owned part of the property that Diamondback Stadium now stands on. And so... He made a lot of money when Diamondback, whenever they wanted to build that, and they wanted his property. And, and so I learned about that as a kid growing up. And if you don't have a dad like my dad or my dad, you've missed out in that thinking process of this monetize your mindset. Where this really stuck out for me was I, was, I volunteer at the Haven House, which is a drug rehab center. And I was listening to this girl tell her story. Her name was Jen. And she talked about how the abuse and the neglect came at home. And when they were out in public, they were somewhat normal for the most part. And so in her mind, her life was normal. She, she literally said that. Her exact words were, I thought this was normal. I thought everybody else had the same thing when they went home. And it clicked to me that the same thing happens when it comes to finances and the way you think about your job the way you have it is you think is normal and don't realize the other ways of thinking i've often thought of that as different communities you'll you'll have the poor side of town and the rich side of town and all that and all those rich kids they've just been fed with a golden spoon right and they just move on they go to college and they become doctors just like their dad was and the others do whatever it is they because that's what their dad did and i think there's a lot of truth in that it's not that one group is smarter than the other or or more gifted or more talented or anything like that it's not like it's genetic it's it's the way they were raised that's that's what you do when you get through high school you go to college and you when you get through college you get a, go to get your phd and you become a doctor you know and i think that's it's just very trendy that way, the way you're raised. Yeah, it's hard to break out of that because you're, you're just so much in that. It's the, it's the same with a lot of other issues that are out there. You know, it's hard to break out. And sometimes it takes a, something tragic to make you break out. So I, I've never had a real job other than part-time jobs when I was going to college. I never, after I graduated from college, I never got into that job mentality so I kind of just came about it naturally from being raised by dad. But I didn't really think about it, didn't really get focused on it until my wife, she's Japanese. Mm -hmm. She went to Japan and she goes to Japan every year to visit her family. And while she's there, she gets her health checks done. And she calls me from Nagoya and says, the initial tests indicate the possibility of cancer. Now, 
that really hits you whenever you hear that. Now, my brother, he died of cancer at age 53. I have a sister that we lost her at age 62 to cancer as well. So I don't think there's anybody who hasn't had their lives touched by cancer. Mm -hmm. So my mind was racing. You're thinking, I've lost my sisters and I could possibly lose my wife. That's the first thought is I could lose my wife. But thought number two was, I can't afford this. I can't afford to drop everything and and go battle this battle that we're going to have to have. Poor timing. Poor timing, (laughs) I think a lot of people are in that situation, though. They can't quit their job and go help their wife or help their kid or whoever it is with cancer. They they still have to go to work if they want money coming in. You know, money isn't everything unless you don't have any or you don't have enough, and then it's it could mean the difference in life and death. Now, lucky for us, after eight days, and I don't know why, when it's something this serious, it takes eight days for the results to come back, but it does. So after eight sleepless nights, the results came back that it was just precancerous, and we just had to have surgery. It was a wake-up call. We were lucky. Do you have to have that sort of a wake-up call to wake up? Let's wake up before things like that happen. And that's when I started this monetize your mindset thing that I do, campaign that I do. That was your fuel behind your passion. That it, was, it made me focus yeah. a little bit more. Because you know, we were financially, we were okay. Mm-hmm. We were doing well. It just, the battle like that takes a lot of funds, and it scared me. All right. It woke me up. I saw this morning on the news, somebody had crashed on their motorcycle, and they were in the hospital in critical condition, and the family was just beside themselves because they didn't have any insurance or any way to pay for this, and they were trying to figure those things out. And that at that point, yeah, that's poor timing again. It's to be ready ahead of time, to get your life in order to... Be financially stable and set up for when those things happen because they will happen. Yep. Multiple streams of income is the key. And the way to do that is to think about what do you like to do? What do you need to do? What are you already doing? How can you monetize it? How can you, you're doing it anyway, or you want to do it. So how can you monetize it? Right. Get paid for doing what you love to do. Scott would love to be paid for hunting. I would. I'd love to raise <laughs> pigs. I'd re- love to have 19,000 pigs. So uh, to do something like that, though, it takes money to make money. Not so much anymore. With the Internet being as small as it is, or making the world as small as it is mm-hmm. the, with the Internet, it, there's so many easy ways to follow your passion and to make money. I saw a quote that was on Facebook the other day. It was in an interview that Mark Cuban did. And he said, the biggest lie perpetrated upon people is follow your passion. And the first thought that came to my mind was, wow, what an uneducated, unthought out statement. Because the world is so small. And he goes on and he talks about, well, he wanted to be a pro baseball player, but his fastball went 70 miles an hour instead of 90, which you need to be. He wanted to be a pro basketball player. But when he figured out he had a seven-inch vertical, he figured out he wasn't going to make it. But you don't have to be a professional sports player to monetize basketball or baseball. You can do other things. In fact, he did. You know, he went out and bought the Mavericks. So he actually did. Now, if I had a passion for basketball, which I do, I love to watch it, am I going to be able to go out and buy the Mavericks or a professional sports team? I don't know, probably not. But if I wanted to, I probably could, Mm -hmm. if I put my mind to it. There's some things, like he's saying, 
physically, he is not the person to be a pro athlete. I'm the same way, but there's other ways to follow your passion. Your hunting thing. There's plenty of ways with the internet today to follow your passion there, in my opinion. All right. Well, that's cool. That, that's that's great. And so you heard that from Mark Cuban, and, and it just took some ex- explaining on his part for you to catch the rest of the vision. Well, in, in, that, um, in that interview, he really doesn't come around to follow your passion. In my opinion, you don't need to do stuff you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. You can literally follow your dreams, follow your passion within reason. You know, that you have to, you have to be creative. You got to be aware. That's the main thing that I like to think of is a lot of what I've done throughout my life. I look at it and I think, wow, I just got lucky, but it wasn't about luck. It was about being aware of the opportunities that are around you every day and taking advantage of them. Cause you started, you started your first business at 15. Tell, tell us about that business. I loved music. I bought my first stereo at age 11. It was one of those all-in-one, it was a Sanyo system. It had, on this side, it had a cassette deck. On this side, it had what? It had the old 8-track deck. 8-track deck. In the middle, you had the, had the, the radio. Yeah, you had the tuner. On top, you had the, the record player. Wow. <laughs> all-in-one. I one. paid $285 for that. I worked all summer on the pig farm for that stereo. Right. Right. Little did I know, it became an expense. I had to buy the, the music every week. Or, so I just got on iTunes and bought some music, right? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Anytime we went to town, I was at the record store and I would spend some money on records or tapes, whatever it was. Didn't have a whole lot of 8-tracks. I think we were headed to cassette tapes, not 8-tracks right, by right. that time. Then when I was 15, in this small town, there was there was nothing to do after basketball games and football games. Nobody was doing anything. So I was trying to go, well, I'm going to do dances. I'm going to put on dances. So I went and rented the community center. I hired an off-duty cop for security. Mom and dad took tickets at the door, and I spun records. Everybody danced, had a good time. I was making five, $600 a night for four or five hours. As a 15-year-old. As a 15-year-old back in the Back 80s. in the day. That was a lot of money. With one turntable. <laughs> I had to. I bought, you had to. I, I, so I, I, I did have to put out a little money to Buy get two turntables. But they were cheap turntables. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then before I knew it, I had a $20,000 system. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that put me, you know, gave me extra money in high school, gave me extra money in college. Did you have the mirror ball and everything? We did have a mirror ball. <laughs> had strobes. We had actually park and lights that... So we so, could wow. have lights. DJ system. Bart. Did you have a name? That's and it. It was called Illusion. 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 Nice. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I think that is pretty cool because one of my favorite songs is uh, Grand Illusion by Styx. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's cool. So you had everything, all the components going. You were spinning vinyl and uh, creating an atmosphere that people were having fun. It almost feels like Footloose. You know, before Footloose, <laughs> you're, the, you're the kid in town that changed everything. Right. And back then, no one would hire me, so I had to do it myself. So I created my own opportunity. The opportunity was there. And you I just said, hey, there's a dance this Friday night at such and such time, and you I would did it all. market it at school. I would market it around the community, put up signs, you know, little flyers, I guess. And everybody knew about it. Everybody came. Everybody asked, when's your next one? Wow. And so I created my own opportunity out of just 
seeing it there. Because so, you paid 200 and what did you say, 280? 285. 285 for this um, stereo system, all in one. And then you thought, rather than just have that and have that be a cost, it's going to make you some money. Right. To change your mindset to think, how can this thing make me some money? Yeah. So that's our job now is to look around us and think, what do we have that could make us some money? Yeah, what do you do? What do you like to do? What do you need to do? So that was something I like to do. Now let's go to what do you need to do? A while back, I decided, well, my wife decided that I needed to lose weight. She said I was working on my before picture long enough. <laughs> it was time to get that after picture going. And I said, before okay. Before picture was looking really nice. What's she talking about? <laughs> and so I decided that if I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to get paid for it. And so I went and searched for a domain name before I even had the system. I didn't, didn't know how I was going to lose weight. I just I searched for a domain name. I bought back to my com. I paid for it for eight years before I found something that helped me lose weight. Wow. And then two and a half years ago, in two months and five days, I lost 48 pounds without having to get my butt to the gym. Mm. And I started, this is it. I'm marketing this. And that's when I loaded up that website, put my information there. And now it's an mm. income stream to me. Right. Could be fifty bucks a month. It could be a thousand bucks a month. Depends on the month. I don't actively go out and and solicit people. I just wait for pe people to come to me and say, "Hey, how did you do that?" Hmm. To get so paid that, to lose weight. To get paid to lose weight. I've heard you share a story about acres of diamonds. Yes. Do you mind sharing that? Yes. So awareness, being aware of what's around you. Now, my dad, my dad taught me a lot of things, and before or even after he passed. He taught me more. Acres of Diamonds is a story about a Persian farmer in in Persia that sold his property and he went in search of diamonds. He died broke, alone, in a foreign land. He never found his diamonds. The new farmer that bought his property was watering his camel in a brook and he saw this, this strange looking rock. He picks it up and it's a diamond. He literally finds acres of diamonds on what was Ali Hafed's backyard. Our family, we have a similar story. It's called Acres of Pig Poop. <laughs> now, I told you we had 18,000 sounds. That creates a lot of pig poop. We had three man-made ponds that we called the lagoons that we would divert the stuff into. Dad passed away. He, he shut down the farm in 94, I believe. And went in search of his next acres of diamonds, and he didn't find it. Never found it. He died at age 81. Two and a half years later, I believe it was, we sold the farm for $235,000, which was a fair price for Going the property. Right. Yeah. A few months after that, the new owners of the farm, they were leveling these, these man-made ponds that were dry on top, had been dry on top for years. And the heavy grater broke through the crust and sunk up to its belly in this, in this black muck. They called in environmental experts right there on the spot. They offered the new owners of our farm $2,000 a ton for this stuff. That's a dollar a pound wow. for wow. old pig poop. Wow. There are a lot of pounds there. Probably 450 to 500 tons. Wow. So the property we sold for $235,000 is now worth over a million dollars. And pig poop alone. Acres <laughs> <laughs> of pig poop. And so be aware of what is right there in your backyard. What is right there under your nose. Under your nose. Literally. Literally mm -hmm. under your nose.
Wow. And I love that story to have had, had seen that earlier. Then you're kicking yourself in the butt the whole time thinking, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> when my when I found that out, my first thought was, all you can do is laugh. Yeah. That's all you can do. Because <laughs> that guy probably wasn't very happy when his greater busted through the crust and he was stuck. He was having a bad day. You and, know? and he's an almond farmer or a walnut farmer. Uh-huh. And... It's free fertilizer for him. He didn't even sell it. Really? He's using it for fertilizer for himself. Wow. For his trees. Wow. So we are rounding our 22 minutes. And I'm sure we have listeners that would like to be coached by you or, or pick your brain and your expertise on how they can monetize something that they, they love and they're passionate about. So how do people connect with you? Do you have a book? Do you have a website? I have a book coming out this month. Actually, I just finished the last chapter last night. Oh, congratulations. So it is done and ready to go to people to, to test Next it, to, sit, to look mm-hmm. at it. Uh, my website is, is backtomyweightandweight.com. You can pre-order the book there. It's Monetize Your Mindset, and you can connect with me on at backtomyweightandweight.com. Nice. Well, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate you sharing with our listeners some some valuable uh, lessons on how to just make money on the things that they're already doing. Uh, I love that. Thanks for having me. Love being here. Yeah. Thanks, Bart. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.